Hey, good morning, fellowship. I'm Paul Bickford. I'm the student ministries pastor here. I've been here for, uh, for 14 years. I got to tell you, every time I get to come upstairs and speak with y'all, I'm very, very excited. We love being downstairs, but it's good to be with you guys as well. I have a short amount of time this morning, and so we're going to jump into it. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God of justice and a God of love. As we get into your word this morning, would you please guide us? Would you please quicken our hearts to the promptings and leadings of your Holy Spirit? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing in the book of Ephesians, and this morning we'll be looking at, excuse me, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. So if you would please turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you could uh, maybe just sit next to a Christian. That's the same response I get in uh, student ministries with that joke. It's probably because it's a terrible joke. You would think I would learn. So let's read. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So last week, Chris did a masterful job of leading us through the beginning of chapter 2. And he helped us to work through some pretty tough things. The idea overarching in the beginning of this chapter is that we, because of our sin and because of our choice to live in sin, we were actually children of wrath. That's a hard message. And I thought, uh, thought, Chris, you did a fantastic job of shepherding us to the place that we needed to be. The church in Ephesus probably would not have spent an entire week waiting for this next part. This next part where Paul tells us of God's great love. So I I noted something, and so I'm going to try reading it one more time and see if what I noted was true. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? So, Here's the thing. I spent a little time this week looking at the story of Lazarus. You remember the story of Lazarus? Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, a personal friend of Jesus who got sick. They tried to bring Jesus to him to heal him. Lazarus passes away, is in the grave for four days. Jesus comes, raises his from the dead. You're with me. You remember this story, right? 
raises, his front, raises him from the dead. His sisters see this. What do you think the next day in the town of Bethany where this happened looked like? What do you think the home of Mary and Martha looked like when after four days of having their brother in the grave, their brother was eating dinner with them? Guys, it was a party. It was undoubtedly, it doesn't say this in the text, but you don't have to stretch very far to think there was great joy. You probably couldn't keep Mary and Martha from telling the story, and you certainly couldn't keep them from smiling. When we read this scripture, where we were once dead and children of wrath, and Paul says, you're no longer dead because of God's love, his mercy, his grace, his kindness. Because of these characteristics of God, you are alive with Jesus. What does that do to us? What does that do to us as fellowship Bible church? What does that do to us as individual believers who've put our faith and trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story. I already know you hate me. I'm a terrible person. I wore a Patriots jersey, okay? <laughs> Nobody likes the Patriots. I know that. Anytime I get up with a Patriots, oh my goodness, my nephew's wearing a Patriots jersey. Anytime I get up with a Patriots jersey on, people yell, cheater, okay? <laughs> I, I personally am not a cheater. Okay? Tom Brady may or may not have deflated balls. I don't know. But I'm going to ask you a question. Do you remember a Super Bowl a couple of years ago? Anybody? My wife is actually booing me from the middle in her Falcons jersey. It just... That, that means you remember it. That's good. That's the, that's the first step. I want to remind you, it was the, it was the Falcons and Patriots. Okay? This morning, Josh asked me, what, why do you want to make this so hard on yourself? <laughs> I don't know. Can we throw the first slide up, please? You're, you remember the Super Bowl. We're, we're largely, in America, everybody wanted the Patriots to lose, except for that little sliver in the upper right-hand corner of our country. Next slide, please. I will never forget... And guys, I promise you, and I'm not making this up, I did not know it said that at the bottom of this. Even my own daughter's giving me the thumbs down right now. You remember the third quarter of this game, Atlanta was up 28-3. I can tell by the terrible looks on your face that you do remember this, okay? This is the feedback I thought I would get, okay? Is anybody wearing an Alabama jersey in here? No, because you, you might be the only person who feels what I'm feeling right now. Okay. <laughs> I remember being in my home, my sons, my daughter, we were watching this Super Bowl, 
and I have never been so blue. And guys, it's hard to be a Patriots fan. Because for like 20 or 22 years, you, you don't know if this is the year you're not going to win the Super Bowl. And, and I'm sitting there with this dejected look on my face because even the great Tom Brady, and guys, I know he's several slots lower than Jesus. I know that, okay? <laughs> even the great Tom Brady could not bring them back from a 28-3 deficit in the third quarter. Do you remember thinking this? Man, I do. And I was dejected for all intents and purposes my hopes for that 700th Super Bowl win were dead. Next slide, please. Yeah. I found this very interesting. You remember the Patriots tied it up to go into overtime in the fourth quarter. And they led that Super Bowl for exactly zero seconds and still won it because they scored in overtime and the game ended. And I, I remember my sons and I jumping up and down, okay? I, I, it's really silly. I know it is. It's really silly. But I was so, so excited because in some ways, my hopes had gone from death to life. Now, Karn, at this point, is it okay if I share? Okay. Had gone to the bedroom. Okay, she's a big Atlanta Falcons fan. And when I went in to celebrate with her, <laughs> she wasn't having it. Okay? She was downtrodden. Okay? And couldn't bear to see the celebration going on. But I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it because when something was dead and it's now alive, you celebrate. You celebrate. Well, guys, that's what we're looking at here. Okay? Why did Paul choose to emphasize the love of God in the way that he does here. Because check this out. God being rich in mercy. Do you kids know what mercy means? Mercy means God didn't give us the thing we deserved. Okay? Mercy. He was rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ. So check this out. Paul's painting a picture of a God who loved us while we were dead. That means there's nothing I did to earn God's love. God loved me while I was dead. God loved you while you were dead, in your sin, in your trespasses. And do you know what a dead person can do? Nothing. Dead people don't need help. They need life. God 
gave us life. And Paul is painting a picture of a God who's rich in mercy, abounding in grace, and loves us with a great love. And I think he's doing it for this reason. Love awakens love. Love awakens love. I didn't say that. J.I. Packer said that in one of his books on the characteristics of God. And when love is awakened, love wants to give pleasure. That's what love does. Have you ever been in trouble with someone? Kids, can I see your hands? Have you ever been in trouble with a teacher? Have you ever been in trouble with a coach? Have you ever been in trouble with your mom or dad? Yeah, all, of the, all the hands went up. Some of you look like you might be in trouble right now. I see my mom out here. I can remember being in trouble sometimes because I did something really silly or really bad and wanted to hide. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you go to your room. Maybe you go outside. Maybe you stay outside until dinner time. But your, your inclination is to stay away. I think we do that with God. When we don't fully believe that God loves us. I grew up believing that God loved me, kind of. I kind of grew up believing that, that God loved me, but he loved everybody. And he kind of loved me because he had to, because he was God. And I'll tell you straight up that it wasn't until I fully believed that God loved me because he is love and didn't love me because I'm awesome or didn't stop loving me because I couldn't get it right that I wanted to be close to him. So church, the worst kept secret in Christianity is this. Christianity is not about trying to be Christian. We talk about sanctification, and kids, sanctification is just a, a big word that means becoming more like Jesus. You don't become more like Jesus by trying to be more like Jesus. You don't become more like Jesus by trying to be more like Jesus. You become more like Jesus by getting close to Jesus. So, Paul wraps up this, this short passage right here. And he says, so that in the coming ages, oh, here we go, verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because the secret to sanctification, the secret to the Christian life, the secret to becoming more like Jesus is by being close to Jesus. John 15, 5 tells us that unless we are connected to the vine, 
Nothing good comes out of us. Because guys, we don't grow fruit because we try to grow fruit. We grow fruit because we're fruit hangers who are connected to life. So my encouragement this morning is this. As a church, as a people who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, trusted him for our salvation, read about our new life, where we were once dead and we are now alive. First, can we celebrate? Guys, we got a lot that's not in common. We've got a lot that we could argue about. But the thing that we have in common is that we were once dead and we're now alive and that overshadows everything. The love of Jesus Christ changes everything. And guys, if you walk around here and you've got a sour look on your face all the time, if you feel no joy in your Christianity, you might just be tired. You might be trying really hard to do the wrong things, which are good things. May I suggest you you shift your focus off of trying to do the right stuff and instead try to be close to Jesus. Focus on that intimate relationship with a God who loves you. You can't earn that love. And you can't lose that love. Love awakens love. And when we realize how much God loves us, we're able to love him back. And not only that, but we're able to love one another. What if we were a church marked by our love? What if the outside world looking in said there's something different going on there? And I don't know what it is, but we know what it is. We love because he first loved us. Paul knew it. He wanted the church at Ephesus to know it. Let me pray for us. And then, Joel, I'm going to ask you to come back up, please. We're, we're going to wrap up with a song, and, and I want us to celebrate the good news this morning. I want us to celebrate the fact that we were dead and we're now alive. That we have a God who loves us because he is love. And that when we begin to understand that, it changes everything about us. Let me pray. God, I'm so thankful for your love. God, I'm thankful that there's nothing I can do to earn your love. There's nothing I can do to lose your love. I'm thankful that you loved me when I was dead in my trespasses. God, through your precious son, Jesus Christ, you have awakened us. You call us your children. We are co-heirs in Christ. 
We sit with Jesus and experience the fullness of your grace and mercy and kindness and love. Lord, as we leave this place today in just a few minutes, will you lift our heads up? Will you look us in the eye? Will you assure our hearts that your love is real? We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.